Hello, Australia, and welcome to This Is Property. Emily Wallace here. John Pigeon is taking a break this week, but never fear. I have a listener story for you today that's a very interesting one. A lot of you write into the podcast and particularly on the Facebook group, mention the idea of buying property off the plan and then talk about the resale of those properties, namely apartments. And I am very lucky that I have been in contact with a listener of ours, Ali, who's joining us today to talk through the process of buying off the plan and also selling, but most importantly, the journey to get there. So strap yourselves in. Today's going to be a great episode. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Ali. Thanks, Em. Thanks for volunteering to share your experience. I think the idea of buying off the plan and then going to sell has a lot of myths around it. And there's a lot of people in our community who are very unsure about it. Some people absolutely won't touch it, no off the plan at all. Other people have done it and learnt some things like yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm very keen to unpack your story with our listeners and our community. As a starting point, let's get a bit of a rough timeline going. Mm-hmm. And we're going to jump into some lessons you've actually devised Six, I believe. Six, yes. Six lessons. Awesome. Of uh, how you went about this process and what you would do differently or what you would want other people to know. So let's just start with a, a broad timeline on purchase mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and and what the property was mm-hmm. and the end time and then we'll fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So purchase time was 2014, 2015 in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Completed build in 2016, late 2016. Yep. Sold it last year, 2023 in March. Okay, great. So about a a seven... happened in between. About seven year hold then from the time it was finished to the time it sold? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. And just to touch on, just to paint the picture for everybody about your, I guess, position going into this, right? This was a purchase that you made solo? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so solo buying. Solo buy. Um, but I never thought I'd buy off the plan. Interesting. Ever. Why not? Yeah. Well, when I came back from my stint overseas in London in 2014, mm-hmm. I came back thinking that, okay, I've lived in London for eight years. I'm around that age. I guess I should settle down now, mm-hmm. not knowing what settle down really meant yep. for me. <laughs> But at the time, I thought it should involve owning property, you know, owning property better than rent. Yes. But in my head, I always had um, something that already existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I, really what I was going to buy, but I knew that I wanted it, whatever it was, to be in Alexandria, Redfern, Rosebury sort of area. And I had a good job at the time in advertising and media, Um, As I said, I'd moved back from London. Um, But up until then, I did not have a very good relationship with money. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have the deposit. But luckily, my parents, or I think it's called the Bank of Mum and Dad. Yes, (laughs) formerly known as. (laughs) Formerly known as. (laughs) Had the deposit. And they've actually done that with my two younger brothers as well. They are awesome with money, extremely prudent Mm -hmm. and incredibly patient um, with me. So... I got the mortgage, they had the deposit, um, you know, I had a good job, was good at what I did, was hustling. And so off I went to the open houses of, in the traditional way of, 
I'm going to go to a house this weekend and I'm going to go see an apartment this weekend. And that was a long time. That was months. And at first, again, as you said earlier, I was going alone. Mm. At first, I didn't really notice I was alone because it was new and I was doing my thing and like, whoa, this is so grown up. Look at me. (laughs) But then I realized that the open houses were really crowded, mm-hmm. a lot of queues, as I think they still are now. It's been a little... Things haven't changed. Things haven't changed. <laughs> and I became acutely aware that I was on my own. So mm-hmm. there's lots of couples, families, young families starting out, parents with their kids buying their first property. Lots of discussion, lots of, oh, the couch would look good there and oh, the resale value on that. And <laughs> it was just this, and <laughs> I realised, oh... I'm really feel alone right now. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad, who lives in the Philippines, he he flew down for a couple of open houses with me, the ones that I really wanted. Great. Um, which was so good to have him there. And then we got to the point where, okay, I'd picked two, one in Surrey Hills and one in Redfern. And these two, one was a townhouse and one was an apartment mm-hmm. within my budget but they were being sold at auction and I'd never done that. And I know now I hate auctions. They, it's a bear pit and the Mm. auctioneer dude or woman or whoever Mm. is like goading you on 1,000 more, 3,000 more. And it's awful. And all of your best laid plans, you know, you kind of stick to it, but they kind of just sort of fade away. And, Mm. And I'm just watching these people you know, just reaching for that extra grand. And there I was with my little paddle (laughs) that I think went up twice, you know, (laughs) bing, and very quickly came back down again. Mm. Um, And looking back now, so my first of my six lessons is number one, know what you want. Mm. So, and really have that in mind because once you're in the fray of open houses, and this is every weekend, so working nine to five, or in my case at the time, you know, 7 a.m. to like 10 p.m. Wow. My job was nuts. Um, and then weekends are doing that. And then you're doing it on your own. You're in this cloud and this fray of making the next open house on time, finding parking. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, so stick to what you want. Have time to reflect after each one if you can. If you're in the car, just sit there and like, well, (laughs) I cried a couple times, but, you know, just try and breathe through it. And the second thing is have support. It could be a friend that has bought before that knows the process, that knows what to look out for, another pair of eyes. Mm -hmm. If it's a parent, um, if it's a family member, and had I known this magical thing called a buyer's advocate existed, (laughs) absolutely would have done that. Um, just to have someone there with you Mm. is, I think, looking back, yeah, so important. Definitely. And let's just take a step back for a moment Mm. on the looking for established first. You said in your mind something Mm. was established, Mm -hmm. but then you bought it off the plan. So Mm. how did that all come about? Because I kind of gave up and I was so tired and my job was so stressful and it became my, my job became my life. Mm -hmm. And then I had this thing happening with with the apartment or whatever I was going to buy. Around the corner of where I lived in in Redfern, um, a new build popped up. Mm -hmm. And I drove past it every day. It was on Botany Road. And eventually I wandered in one weekend. And I hadn't been in a new build situation before. And it was done really well. Mm -hmm. They had this glossy architect's vision with like, you know. Oh, like the renders they have? Renders, yeah, yeah, those that, thank you, the right (laughs) word. 
and you walked in and there was a life-size um, walk-in, um, what do you call it? Sample, display. Display, thank yep. you. So you could touch and feel and, oh, this kitchen, how hot, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the LJ Hooker, like, salespeople were, like, super schmick and, <laughs> you know, and, and then you had this big plan that had, you know, that one, I could get that one and I could put a green, a green dot on it and it's like... Oh, to secure it? To secure yeah. it, yeah. So it was just that cell of it's all here. Yeah. We will look after it. We'll give you updates. Um, set to start in, I don't know, whatever it was, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for me, that all-in-one, and it was so pretty. Mm-hmm. And like, wow. And I was so tired, and mm. was so... Especially going to auctions. So <laughs> yes. did you feel uh, a sense of comfort of knowing the purchase price? Because a lot of those off-the-plan properties, right, it kind of just is what it is. Like the purchase price yes. is the purchase price. Yes. Yeah. And so you know you've got it and you've secured it and yeah. it's a done deal. Done deal. Yeah. So I picked a two-bed, two-bath overlooking Botany Road, um, had really nice, those doors that um, fold open. The bifolds. The bifolds, yep. thank you, in and outdoor living. Mm-hmm. Um, put the deposit down, I think it was three grand. Mm-hmm. Done. Wow. And did you, at the time that you went there, because off the plan is really interesting. And for those of you who have never experienced off the plan, particularly when it comes to house and land packages, like as, as Ali said, you have like a board and you get to put your little sticker on. And when it's land, like it's a big um, estate that's all subdivided. When it's apartments, they have like the footprint of the whole block um, by level and you pick which level you're on and your unit number. Were there many apartments available for you to choose from at the time? Did you feel like you got to pick one of the best apartments? What was sort of the choice when you went to go buy the, there was a few left, okay. I'd say probably, oh, probably looking back half, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of came in halfway. There were, I chose the two bed because I thought if I was ever going to um, move somewhere else or whatever, it would be easier to rent out a two bed rather than a one bed. But the one beds were beautiful. Okay. And knowing what I know now, I probably would go back and do the do the one bed. Mm-hmm. Um, the one beds were probably the ones that were gone first. Yeah. But they were a lot of them were people buying and living in them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but the two bed was still nice though. Yeah, and great yeah. to have an extra. I mean, particularly yeah. from a rental point of view, obviously yeah. the more bedrooms, the more um, rent that you can get per week mm-hmm. because that's just how it works. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting um, that you would have maybe picked the one if you went back. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So on the track of the lessons that you've learned, so you you touched on number one, Mm -hmm. which was around making sure you know what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then number two being to have support, Mm -hmm. whether that be a friend, a family member, an advocate, someone, a voice of reason. And how about number three? Oh, number three. Number three is buyer beware with new builds. So... This is a big one. Yeah, this is a big one. And when I was <laughs> pulling my thoughts together for this, I was sort of rocking back and forth in my in my chair. Um, deposit down. Mm. Three grand, you said. Three grand. Yep. And um, all the property, sorry, was seven fifty five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the location was Chef's Kiss. Mm-hmm. So good, right near Redfern Station. I knew that the Combank was moving their headquarters in nearby. I knew that Channel Seven was moving the production studios nearby. So the location is first class. Yeah. So that was the other thing that right. um, that I was after too. So nothing happened for months. They right. tore down the petrol station that it was on. Okay. 
Um, and it was just, it lay dormant. Do they have to, I think petrol stations have to stay vacant for a period of time. It was vacant for a while. So it was that, that the petrol station had been vacant for a long time. The sexy, you know, setup of the, um, what do you call it? The display. The display was sort of next door. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they tore that down Mm -hmm. and then nothing. Right. And I just, this pit, this knot in my tummy and the, and the, LJ Hooker guy is like, mm. no update, right? Like I'd call and mm. like nothing. Yeah. And I didn't want to seem needy because yeah. you know, I hate that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was a bit discerning. And then I um, I heard a rumor that there was some issue with the land, like it didn't have the right permit or something. Oh. And, and I was like, oh, no, don't, like don't, da, 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 la, la, la. Like yeah. just don't, don't think about it. And then it started, things started happening. Okay. The ex- excavator thing showed yeah. up. They started to dig some soil. They were moving soil from one end to the other. I assume mm-hmm. stuff was happening. <laughs> and then stop. around. And then stop. Oh. And then this, it was like that yeah. for months. And you were driving past it, right? Because you said you saw every, it because it was on your way to work. Every day. Right, so you were keeping daily every, updates. Oh, I was, <laughs> I was like Hawkeye. And um, eventually things started gaining momentum. Mm-hmm. And... They were almost done. I'd say like seven-eighths of the way done. Mm-hmm. And dad flew down to see family and um, he came with me to see the property. So yes. we did a walk around it. So my dad's a civil engineer. He's worked for the Asian Development Bank. He's, he's extremely good at what he does. He's built tunnels and bridges in Afghanistan, Myanmar, Georgia. And he, um, I'll never forget, he sort of walked up to it and his face just dropped and his posture changed and I'm like oh no (laughs) and he turned to me and he goes this is appalling and I went oh no like are you just is that like slang for something else (laughs) he's like no I said okay what just just tell me yeah concrete is unevenly applied there is pooling in the basement the facade joints are not sealed water Mm. is leaking through oh gosh the overall quality of construction is terrible and there has been, it is obvious there's been minimal quality control throughout the construction. And I remember looking up from Botany Road into my apartment because mm. the um, the floor had not yet been sealed off by a wall and I saw a crumpled, empty Mount Franklin water bottle in set in the concrete oh, you're me. and I thought in the concrete, in the concrete and I oh, thought my gosh. I don't think that's supposed to be there <laughs> and if that's there what else what is else there? is in there oh my gosh and I just I yeah so <laughs> okay so question off that yeah uh, and I I think it's a really important one for people considering off the plan mm. did you know who the builder was or did you investigate the builder before you no. signed the contract We'll come to that. Okay, lesson. we'll come to that. That's okay. a lesson. Okay. Yeah, that's actually right now. Let's okay. just go into it. Um, I think if this was your first, you know, uh, my first purchase, there's an expectation, there's a duty of care that you expect to be in place. You expect some sort of oversight, some sort of check mm. with builders. So my my third lesson is a huge word of caution yes. with new builds. I feel like it's common knowledge, but I also feel like if you hear the stories, you may think that it won't happen to you. Mm. And it absolutely, it absolutely can. A couple of years after my build was done in 2016, 
the Opal Towers. Yes, everyone knows the Opal Towers. Everyone knows them. So 2018, people like had to just pack a suitcase and leave. And because I was going through a whole bunch of fixes that had to be done, and we'll get to that in a minute, um, I had so much empathy for them. So mine wasn't as bad, but it made me just feel awful for them. Mm. And I read last year that the builders of the Opal Tower had to go and fix more defects in two apartment buildings that they built in Sydney as well. So the fart never leaves the elevator with these things. Sorry, I hope hope (laughs) you don't mind me saying. (laughs) You know, you can't open the doors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's... And also around that time, there's a suburb in Sydney called Zetland. Mm -hmm. There were a bunch of high-rise apartments going up, like as if overnight. So I'd go to Virgin Active there, you know, when I (laughs) remembered to go to the gym. (laughs) Um, And it's like there was a new one. And I remember thinking, it's like when you order takeaway and it it just comes to you too fast. You're like, yeah. whoa, 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 did you cook it? Yeah. Did, did that meat touch touch the pan? Yeah. Because you can take your time. Please take your time. Like I'm not in a rush. Yeah. Cook it properly. Yeah. So that, I feel like that whole period, and I was sort of in the, in the early bit of it, I guess, mm. was coming through. So that's my lesson three is, and there's another lesson that taps into this as well. So caution, with those new builds, yeah, because you're you're probably going to spend more than you think, even though it's packaged up, yes, really nicely. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break and go through the remaining couple of lessons, and also talk about the sales process that you encounter. Because we talk a lot about buying on this podcast, but we don't often hear from people who have been through a sale because we speak to a lot of first time buyers who are you know getting in, not so many people getting out. So we'll touch on that as well. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. So, Ali, let's jump into lesson number four. What's the fourth thing that you learnt along this journey? Once it starts cooking, so to speak, the build, keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. Don't think that the people in charge of it are going to keep an eye on it for you. So, my building was done in 2016. Mm -hmm. I am the queen of hindsight, I'll have you know. (laughs) And if there was a way to, I don't know, pay someone to just check on it, call up the people running it. And it was not the agent or LJ Hooker, LJ Hooker or whatever. No. They, they'd taken a step back. I didn't know that. I thought that they'd be on it because I thought the brand mm-hmm. and the reputation of that brand mm-hmm. would be hooked to this build mm. and therefore they'd care. 
Yeah, it's a common misconception. The sales agents versus the builder. Different. It's totally. Did you know there's such thing as a builder's advocate as well? Can, so, I, can I have a number? Yeah. <laughs> there actually is, a, and I didn't know this until recently, but there actually are, and if you're listening to this and thinking about going through a, a off-the-plan purchase, uh, even for a house and land package and you want selection of builders and the land and all that sort of thing, there are people you can actually engage as your advocate to pick the right builder and be on top of the builder that may be beneficial through the process because also, and I assume you experience this yourself, but when you're going through the different stages, it's all new to you if you've never built a property before. So you don't know what's meant to happen at each stage. Like there's, you know, practical completion, the occupancy certificates, all these different stages of the build that you don't really know what mm-hmm. they're meant to have done by that point unless they sort of tell you themselves and you're just relying on trust at that point. Trust. Yeah. And that's a really important thing because that's what I went in with. Yeah. That I would be looked after and it would be a trusted relationship. Mm. And it was anything but. Mm. Um, when it was done mm-hmm. in 2016, I walked in to have a look and I was, no, oh. I didn't want to live in it. Oh, really? It was this visceral punch, too small. Oh. And it was such an unpleasant journey mm-hmm. that I didn't want to be in it. Also at the time, I loved where I was living in Redfern. I was renting Mm -hmm. and I um, had a great apartment. I had a little community. Mm -hmm. My neighbors were great. They looked after my dog and I'd hang out with their place. And my concept of settling down, quote unquote, was was changing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know whether actually it really even applied to me. So I was figuring it out and Mm -hmm. I just saw living... Moving into something that was mine was too permanent for me mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. So I got the place ready for tenants, told CBA who were doing the mortgage, mortgage and everything to, you know, doing it properly. Um, and that's when the proverbial doo-doo hit the fan. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just take a moment because it's... Uh, <laughs> it was, mm. It was an interesting time for all. So it started with the really small. So Is it you talking about once the tenants moved once in? Once the tenants moved oh, in, yeah. Okay, yes. So yep. I got tenants yes. um, who walked in all wide-eyed. Wow, it's so beautiful. And it was like it's a it's a beautiful building. Yeah. Like, if you see it, it it's it's stunning. Mm-hmm. Um and so they, they walked in and the I went in there to meet them because I just, I don't know why, I just felt like I should do that. Yeah. And I also delivered the fridge. Oh. And so the fridge went into this, what do you call it when the fridge fits into the facade? Oh, like it's, like it's recessed, like it's an yeah. integrated fridge. Integrated fridge. Yeah. But it wasn't really, it was just a hole for it. And, okay. then, the, and then the cabinet closed and it looked oh, okay. like it's a facade of a facade. Yes. You know? <laughs> and... The fridge was the one that the developer who the builder or whatever told us to buy because it would fit in that spot. Right. The cabinet door that covered the fridge yes. opened the opposite way oh, to the fridge the door fridge. and they told me? us to buy it. Oh, my gosh. What uh-huh. the, you know, and yeah. so for me, I'm like, guys, that's so basic. Yeah. Like if I did, I would just wouldn't happen, like wouldn't yeah. happen. So that was a tiny thing. Yes. But then there's more M. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the f- bifold windows, yes. they leaked. So the oh. weekend the tenants moved in, mm-hmm. it was this like huge downpour of rain in Sydney. I call it chubby rain, which is yep. massive fat rain. Yeah. And it leaked all the way into like halfway into the living room. Oh. Oh really goodness. bad. So that was one thing. Um, the 
garbage room. Had like no a garbage chute or yeah, an so it was a chute yeah. into a garbage room, centralised. Yes. Um, had no drainage, so it could oh. not be cleaned. Oh, um, that the, sounds like it would be stinky. Yeah, apparently so. I never had the the privilege the privilege of smelling <laughs> it, but I've I've heard that it was very very bad. Um, the gate to the parking lot mm. closed. Um, I guess at the rate of an asthmatic ant carrying some really heavy shopping. <laughs> so when people drove their cars in, naughty people would follow them in oh, oh my and steal out of their storage lockers, <gasps> even though the storage lockers had padlocks on them because the numbnuts didn't um, close the gap to the, top. to the ceiling, correct? Yeah. So they could just reach over and take stuff. So... Um, because there was so many things like this going on, mm. I decided to be on the body owners body corporate, body corporate. Yep. on the um, what do they call it the committee the committee yes. yes I decided to do that. Um, I really wanted to understand for myself. I knew that I would probably need therapy after and during my stint <laughs> on the committee. <laughs> But I thought I can't shy away from this. I've done this. Yeah. There's something going on here. You're I'm in it. I'm in it. Up to my elbows. Let's just let's just lean in. So from 2016, yes, when the tenants moved in to when I sold it, we needed to raise about 700 grand mm. in special levies. Oh my goodness. And I. How many? Do you know how many apartments in the block, roughly? Oh yeah, they're probably about. 20. Okay, so that's a lot of money between 20 people. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like there's hundreds to raise it between. No, 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 no. no. It was like five-story low build. That's one yeah. of the reasons why I liked it. It was because yeah. it wasn't high-rise. Yeah. So yeah, it was boutique-y and yeah. like modern and sexy. Yeah. And yeah, it's just the opposite. But anyway, um, yeah, so I I take huge offence at the word special being used <laughs> for special levy. <laughs> I think it should be called soul-crushing levy, <laughs> maybe... <laughs> Despair-inducing levy, um, you can't be serious levy. Yeah. Um, all any of that's more appropriate than yeah, special. It ain't special. Um, the special levies were raised for waterproofing, so the the leaking. Mm-hmm. Now that happened in about half of the apartments, so not just mine. There needed to be building remedial works done to fix the seal, uh, the ceiling and the painting and the external layers because they were leaking. So that's what my dad spotted back in 2015, 16. Yeah. Two rounds of fire protection. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Remedial stuff had to be done. Um, there were air conditioning issues. So the individual air cons... Um, after a while stopped working and then oh. we had to look into implementing or putting in split systems, which us as owners didn't want because they're mm. really ugly on the balconies and yeah, when it's low rise, you can see them. Yes. I don't know actually what happened with that. I know that I paid for it, but I sort of sold it by by the time um, that was going on mm-hmm. um, by then. So when all of this sort of happened between 2016 and 2013, we got the original builder to come back and fix the waterproofing issues yeah, I mentioned Yeah, because that would be earlier. under warranty, surely. That's under, or, I mean, you've had to raise levies, but surely there's a portion they're liable for. Yes, yeah. that's right. So they came back and fixed it. Great. No. No, not great. Because the, <laughs> because the fixes had to be fixed because right. the fixes were so bad. Band-Aids. Band-Aids. Okay. Like not even 
the good elastoplast ones, <laughs> like I'm talking <laughs> the own brand or whatever kind of ones um, that don't match anybody's skin tone, you know, like those yeah. kind. Um, and when we got the builder in or we, we tried to reach out to the builder, he had declared bankruptcy. Oh, how convenient. So that kind of links into the caution again around yeah. new builds. So these Phoenix companies mm-hmm. that rise from the ashes of broken buildings with no accountability of what they have produced before mm-hmm. just took my breath away. Mm. Just, I never thought, I don't like to use the word victim at all with me, but mm. being victim of the, one of these Phoenix companies is it's so incongruent to how I live my life that I Mm. couldn't, my brain was like rushing to keep up because it wasn't just a money thing. It was, how can this happen? And we hired lawyers. Yeah. And obviously that adds to the special dumb levies. Growing levies. Growing. (laughs) And they investigated, apparently the company was in his wife's name. So they, you know, they, I guess the sort of stuff. Loophole. Yeah, loophole. And I was doing research online. I became like some sort of detective, you know, I was like Googling his name and I'll hunt you down. And I'm like, no, I can't do anything about it. Um, One of the, one of my fellow committee members knew someone in city of Sydney. Oh yeah. And she sort of raised it with them. But unfortunately, government's slow. These guys are fast. The lawyer said, look, we could go for it. Mm -hmm. We could... Uh, sue him or go after him. Yeah. But the law that was being produced at the time, created at the time to protect people from these guys, was only halfway through getting into effect. Uh, so even if we ran this in parallel with that law, we probably wouldn't meet at the same time. And even if we did, they were thinking 50% chance oh that would be successful. Not great odds to put a whole lot of money behind legals then. Really bad odds. Yeah. And we were all pretty crushed. You know, we were pretty pretty bruised yeah. by then. Um, so we decided to just get someone else in. Yep. Um, we hired inspectors and stuff to check that the work that the new guys were doing was good. Yes. And um, so I was all over that. I learned stuff that I just never thought I would know. Mm. And yeah, hired some people that were really good mm-hmm. and yeah, had it all fixed. It's very good of you in terms of like a lot of the perception of investors in apartment blocks is that they just don't care about the block. They just want it rented. They just want the tenant to be you know, happy with the actual apartment itself. Yep. But when it comes to special levies and often even on the buying side, when I've investigated body corporates, I've often found that investor heavy blocks just don't really care about the upkeep mm. of the block and they just let it go. So it's actually really nice to hear someone being invested in, you know, the committee and making sure things are being done. And obviously being your first purchase is probably an element of emotional attachment too, because you were going to live in the property. Mm. So there's that, but also just a lesson, I guess, for listeners who are involved in apartment blocks where they're investing in, it pays to be on the body corporate committee because you'd actually get a full picture of exactly what's going on and influence how things are going to be, you know, thought out and done in the future. Yes. I, I, my position at the time was just listen, mm-hmm. initially learn. And you're right. The people that were on the, the committee were so um, fair mm-hmm. and I never actually met them because I'd you know, moved to Melbourne by then. I think I went to one meeting in person and then my work life was so hectic, but they really cared. Mm-hmm. 
and they're really smart. So often I, I felt like I was not the, you know, the sharpest tool in the shed and a lot of that, even though I am, but <laughs> they just, they knew their stuff. They were yes. lawyers and professors and stuff. So I, it was really interesting to hear their, their point of view. And by the end, I was getting a bit more com- confident and was following up and stuff. I said, sorry, what do you mean by that? Can mm-hmm. you just explain that? again or um, why don't we do this is this a possibility and they were really open to that so even though it we were sort of rescuing a failure from the jaws of disaster or whatever the saying is Mm. at least I learned a ton out of it Mm. and in terms of the decision to actually hang on we go up to lessons yes Um, lessons. what, what lesson number are we up to we are coming into when I sell Okay. Which actually taps into you. what you were just saying yeah. then about caring. So when the last round of um, you can't be serious levies <laughs> was being discussed, and I think that was um, for the fire protection, I decided to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, other, other things were going on in my life at the time and I was shedding a lot of things that I once thought were really valuable and because they just didn't fit mm-hmm. in my life. And this was certainly one of one of the things I wanted to shed. Um, but I wanted to sell it in a state where my conscience was clear, knowing mm-hmm. what I knew, knowing what had gone through. I didn't want the next person to just get this lemon and just go, mm-hmm. what is going on here? And I knew they would do their due diligence, yes. but I, I hate hiding things. Yes. So, and I wasn't going to start now. Um, so when the last special levy was paid, I engaged with the guys at McGrath and Edgecliffe, um, a guy called Richard, to do the sale. Mm-hmm. And I knew him because my parents had sold a property of theirs in Redfern as well. I think it was Redfern through him. And it was stressful, but it they just... I can't complain. They were just amazing. Mm-hmm. They were really transparent with how it was priced when they um, uh, when it came to sort of getting a ballpark mm-hmm. figure. They gave me really good insight to the market. It had moved a lot. It had gone up. So oh, that's good. it turned out that two bed, two bath, right near Redfern Station. By then, Channel 7 and all those guys were in. Yeah, It's a real uh, – and Redfern was going through a big – uh, facelift, yeah. gentrification. I don't know whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, it was a lot safer, I think, than when I was when I lived there. But that's kind of what I loved about Redfern. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of never knew was who you're going to see, what was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit safer now these days, I think. Um, so they gave updates once it was listed. My first open house, there were 18 people, which was awesome. Solid. Very so solid good. Yeah. yeah, and I'd get updates afterwards and. Yeah, that process was great. And they did recommend auction. When I heard that word auction, I just was sort of like, no. oh, I can't. I said, oh, PTSD. no, no. <laughs> totally was like, no. Um, but it sold before auction. Oh, right. Which so it was, was scheduled for one. Yep, scheduled yep. in. And I had four people approach with an offer. Wow. Yeah. That's I was, a good position oh, to be gosh. in. I was so, I was over the moon. Yeah. It wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. Okay. But it was pretty close and I just thought, yep, it's mm-hmm. after everything that's happened, it was a sort of anvil around my neck. Yeah. I, I needed to shift it. And um, and Richard was awesome. I Yeah, and it was yeah. done. Amazing. Yeah. And so in terms of 
the question of buying off the plan again. <laughs> oh no, the lesson. I didn't do the lesson. Oh, well, the lesson. Sorry, the lesson. <laughs> so there's a lesson after this is to leave something, and in this case, a property, better than how you found it. Yes. It may be a little philosophical or existential yeah. for um, something like this, but there's a, I think there's a huge benefit in paying it forward positively. I'm a big believer in that, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to let this yucky, tawdry, gross experience kind of get in the way of, of that belief. Mm-hmm. And the bit of money I made off the sale actually funded a whole lot of things that helped me shift my whole life forward mm. um, in terms of that shedding I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So it's given me a cushion to help the next chapter in my life. Mm-hmm. So again, like nothing's wasted and it's something that was so dark has now just brought a lot of light into my life. So mm. I think there's, I think lesson five is probably my favorite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I think a lot of people who go to sell underestimate the value of the knowledge you hold of the property. So sometimes when we do pre-settlement inspections for clients, like the vendors left, even just a one page yes. of like, here's, you know, the garage remote has a quirk with it. You need yeah. to press it down for three seconds. You know, just these little so things nice. about the property yeah. that really help buyers transition into their new place. Yeah. Sometimes you're left with literally a front door key and that's it. And it's like, Gross. Really? Yeah. You know, so I, I think I very much agree with that. Leaving it better than you found it, but also, you know, leaving some things that help the next person. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Sometimes you get vendors that leave like full on manuals or like I had one, I actually went to visit a client just today um, and I could still see the sticky notes on their light switches that the vendor had left, (laughs) the previous owner had left to tell them what the outdoor lights, which one the outdoor light switch was. But, you know, all that helps, you know, um, because homes don't really come with manuals. (laughs) You kind of got to figure it out. Yeah, but I think they should. Yeah. And also lots of memories, you yeah, know. Yeah, so not, true. Not like yucky ones like mine, but, yeah. you know, memories have taken place in that place. So, yeah, you know, it's a bit of honouring that. Yeah. Um, lesson six, the last one. Yes, tell me. It's a quote from the Merchant of Venice. Oh, okay. Um, All that glistens is not gold. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have two investment properties now. Yes. And they're both in Elwood and they are not new build. Okay. They are both from the 70s or 80s, I think. Yep. They are solid. Mm-hmm. They are reliable. They are not sexy. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm so fine with that. Sure. Longstanding tenants, they're fair. I'm fair. You know, long may that continue. Mm. And I think if I was to buy another one, I don't think it would be new build again. I'm, I'm not like ruling it out, mm-hmm. but there's still this inner, oh, that's risky. Definitely. <laughs> and I think it's interesting, the final lesson about, you know, basically not chasing something that's shiny and, and the marketing oh. for off the plan, they can really suck you in, you know. I think you have to know a lot more generally to mm. make sure it's a good decision of basically buying a piece of paper. Because mm. if you can't walk through it, like you said, when yes. you walked in, right, you thought it was way too small. Yes. Now, as someone who's seasoned in property, even just by purely knowing the square meterage of a property, you'd go, yes. that's too small. Mm. Or you'd look at the measurements of standard bedrooms and bathrooms and kind of, you know, weigh it up with what you currently have, all that sort of thing. Mm. But I think people run the risk and that is one of the most common pieces of feedback mm. I hear yeah. from off the plan purchases. Yeah is the size. Yeah. Now, 
technology has advanced and we do actually now have the ability to do virtual walkthroughs with a lot of properties, which is great. They actually do them in warehouses and things like that. But also you typically find that new builds, they're modern, the bench tops are cool, the integrated fridge is cool, all these mod cons. I wonder though, as a home buyer, like the property you might buy to live in Mm. at some point if you ever do, Mm. do you see yourself being in something more modern or an older property? So my apartment in Elwood now that I rent is mm. modern. We're sitting in it right now and it is, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. If I could find something like this, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. I'm also eyeing off a villa in Tuscany. Oh, okay. So um, it's cheap property going <laughs> off in, in, in Europe. Um, so that'll be an older thing, but you know what? I kind of don't mind that either because yeah. it's all about the, the vibe. Yeah. Um, I think I'd rather modern Yes. But low rise. I can't, you know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big high rise person. But um, yeah. And the frustrating thing, as you mentioned, sorry, then with the marketing, Mm. I'm in marketing M. Yes, I know. (laughs) I'm in advertising and media and marketing. Yeah. And I was (laughs) just like, I got sucked in. Oh, it's so beautiful. But um, (laughs) so I think you just got to keep, keep your feet on the ground. Yes. Firmly on the ground. And so that last lesson is sometimes the really unsexy things, mm-hmm. investment property built in the 70s, can be the sexiest thing yes. in the long term. Definitely, particularly when it comes to the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm. And look, it's not uncommon, and I'm noticing a, a big shift at the moment in buyers wanting the older star properties. Mm. Also because the ongoing costs, the body corporate fees, right? Obviously, you encounter a lot of levies, but your baseline fees would have been a couple of grand, I assume, a year. Yeah, easy. Yeah. So with the older star ones, because there's no lift, there's no garage door, there's no stackers, there's nothing like that, they tend to be lower on body corporate fees unless they're raising a maintenance fund. Yes. But the insurance and the common property, public liability, that sort of thing is actually quite low. Low yeah. in comparison to those. Yeah. And then if you add amenity into a block, like anything with a gym and a pool and all that, like forget it. Like they're seven grand plus minimum a year most of the time. Yeah. So. Actually, I think the body corporate fees on the the new build was about four grand a year or something. Yeah. And there was no pool. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. The lift though? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lifts uh, for some reason a bit of a killer, the service of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons ongoing costs. People are looking at cash flow mm, and it's yes. not just the purchase price. It's actually your ongoing commitment to the property. Yeah. And body corporate fees are something that people glaze over, I think. Yeah, don't glaze. Yeah. You can't glaze over that. No, it's it'll, an ongoing it'll hurt cost. You, it'll make you cry. Yeah. It'll add to your therapy bills, I yeah. promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you've got two investment properties now, which is awesome. Like that's so great. So you've, you've bought a property, you've sold a property mm-hmm. and you have two investment properties and you've been able to go and travel. Mm-hmm live your best life. Yes. And yes. you're rent vesting currently in Melbourne. Yes. What's rent vesting? What's what you're doing. You're renting where you oh, want to live and is? you're, oh, you're investing. <laughs> we've got investment properties, which we have a lot of rent vesters in the community. So how do you like that lifestyle? Do you enjoy that setup? I do. It's allowed me to, again, with the, the bit of money I made off the sale in Sydney, it's allowed me to restructure my career, mm-hmm. the days I work. And um, which is, it's new for me. I'm not used to downsizing that part of my life before. As I mentioned earlier, my job was my life. Mm. And that wasn't working for me anymore. It was part of the shedding that I mentioned earlier. So I've consciously um, removed myself from that, but I'm still in the game and still in the advertising and media market. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm doing a couple of um, side hustles um, in the sort of the same area, which is cool. Um, And then honestly, the mornings 
that I'm not working, I'm not rushing to go in the office, I will sit and have a coffee on my couch and look out into the beautiful Elwood suburb and actually just take a moment and not be in that traffic. And yeah, it's really helped. And then I'm also planning a trip back um, later this year to Tuscany. Wow. <laughs> to look at it. No, I'm just joking. Um, maybe, who knows? We'll have to come, come back and with a villa, the keys to a villa. <laughs> keys to a villa. We'll have to interview about that one. Yes. You can come over and do one from there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Glenn, are you listening? And that's flights to Tuscany, FYI. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And I think this has been a great story for, yes, you've had your challenges. There's no doubt about it, right? Mm. This has not been a smooth sailing process. Mm. However, you have invested in property, you have had a gain, mm-hmm. and it has been able to springboard you into other things and allow you freedoms. A lot of people who listen to this podcast might only be maybe just recently bought or planning to buy. And they're at that sort of that stage one that you were at in 2015, right? Mm. And now fast forward to, what are we, 2024, nearly 10 yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, it's a different position to be in. So maybe for some people, this might be a podcast that they you know, aspire to be mm. that far down the line in 10 years and have the freedom that property offers. But it's not a quick game. Property is not a 12-month, 24-month proposition. You have mm. to wait for the right time for things to be sold and hold long enough that you can realise the value and recoup costs, particularly in this situation, before you can afford the opportunity to actually reap the rewards of oh. that, you know, uplift, yeah. which is awesome. How and at good. the same time as all that's happening, your life is changing and your yeah. perception of life is changing. There's a saying, um, the same man never crosses the same river twice mm-hmm. because he's changed and the river's changed. Yeah. So I think it's the reassessing your relationship with that property mm. every now and then throughout the years too, because that's going to shift and your life will shift. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Mm. Well, on that note, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And look, if you're listening to this and you think you have a story that is share worthy, please get in touch uh, either through email. There's a link in the show notes or you could maybe hit me up on Instagram. Probably don't hit John up on Instagram. He doesn't check it frequently enough, but (laughs) he's in the the Facebook group. Um, And if you haven't already had a look at John's book, by the way, I know he's not here with me today, but the link is in the show notes to John's new property book. Be sure to check it out. And I might be seeing you on the road if you come to the Melbourne book launch event. I will be there. Otherwise, John is doing multiple stops across the country this month. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. We appreciate you. And if you have a story you'd like to share, please get in touch. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. It's time to get the property you want. If buying your first home or investing in property is something you're interested in, check out John Pigeon's book, Sort Your Property Out and Build Your Future. John covers the essentials like how to find hotspots and not spots, due diligence, mortgages, tax stuff, grants and schemes, and how to set up your investing timeline. It's the only book you'll need about buying and investing in property. Visit sortyourpropertyout.com to grab your copy. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.